Hello! Welcome to Movie Culture. For our very first episode, we will be talking about the very first Pixar movie, Toy Story. Toy Story, released in 1995, was Pixar's first feature film. Toy Story was directed by John Lasseter, written by Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen, Alex Sokolow, and Joss Whedon, from a story by Lasseter, Stanton, Pete Docter, and Joe Ranft. It was the first entirely computer-animated feature film. If it's been a minute since you've seen the movie, here's a quick synopsis. And if you have seen it recently, we will put timestamps in the show notes so you can skip to the discussion. Welcome to Toy Story, a world where toys come to life when the humans aren't around. In Andy's room, Andy's favorite toy, Sheriff Woody, happily presides over the rest of the toys. But on Andy's birthday, a new toy threatens Woody's comfortable position. Enter Buzz Lightyear, an action figure who believes he's a real flying space ranger, not a toy. Though the toys start off suspicious of this oddball spaceman, they quickly warm to him, and as Buzz begins to replace Woody as Andy's favorite toy, a jealous Woody knocks Buzz out of the bedroom window. Andy's family is moving soon, and Woody hopes Andy won't be able to find Buzz in time, but obviously, Woody's murderous actions anger and scare off the other toys. That evening, unable to find Buzz, Andy takes Woody to dinner at Pizza Planet. But when the family stops for gas, we find out that Buzz has hitched a ride, and he tackles Woody out of the car while Andy's family drives off. The pair manages to make it to Pizza Planet, but are picked up not by Andy, but by his toy-destroying neighbor, Sid. At Sid's house, Buzz realizes that he is not, in fact, world-famous astronaut Buzz Lightyear, and is just a toy. When he tries to fly and cannot, he literally falls into despair. Woody comforts him and the two, now allies, try to escape. Their efforts, however, are futile, and Andy's moving day ticks closer, threatening to leave Woody and Buzz behind forever. On the final morning, Sid straps a firework to Buzz's back, prepared to shoot him into space. Woody saves Buzz at the last moment, but the moving van has already pulled away. They race to catch up finally lighting the rocket still attached to Buzz's back. Buzz, now flying, sends them not into the moving van, but right into the car with Andy, who rejoices at finding his toys. So we just watched Toy Story, the first movie in our Pixar series. Tay, what'd you think? I really liked it. I was nervous about it because it's Toy Story. We've built it up so much in our heads. Yeah. I mean, this is the movie that launched Pixar. Everybody loves Toy Story. But Not to mention gave us the idea to do this podcast. Right. But I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And I know that there's a lot of stuff that I liked in the 90s that hasn't really aged well. But this, it holds up. It holds up really well. It's a really fun movie. Right from the beginning, you're just in it. You're in this toy world. You're rooting for them. When You've Got a Friend in Me starts playing over the opening credits, I just felt all of that anxiety about like, will this hold up? Is this going to be what I remember it being? It just immediately melted away. Also, uh, this movie's got jokes. It's funny. It's really funny. And that was always the rap on Pixar, right? Is that they were fun movies for kids and there was enough adult humor for the adults to you know uh, to sit in a movie theater for two hours 
And it's not like the humor is that inappropriate. But yeah, there's like it's a funny movie. Also, it's not just that it has the jokes, but they're so quick to humanize these plastic toys. Mm -hmm. There's a scene very early on in the movie, like 10 minutes in, where the army men go down to scope out what Andy has gotten for his birthday. And they're going down in their like typical army man sequence. Yeah. And at one point, the mom opens the door, the toys freeze, and the mom steps on one of them. And my first reaction was, oh, my God, is he going to be okay? (laughs) And I was struck by how quickly, just 10 minutes in, I was so in the world of the toys. And they commit to the bit. Mm -hmm. Like, the other army man's like, no soldier left behind. And they have a medic with the army men team. It's a whole thing. Yeah. That army men sequence is such a good example also of how action-packed the beginning of this movie is Mm -hmm. because all of these early scenes from the army men to the arrival of Buzz Lightyear to the car chase to Pizza Planet to the Pizza Planet scene are just like etched in my memory at least. And the first hour or so of this movie, just the action of it, it really goes through. Honestly, like shots at a lot of quote-unquote adult movies where like one thing happens in the whole movie and there are just like it's just set piece after set piece and crisis after crisis in this movie like so many problems that need to be solved so many different changing pieces of scenery it's a really captivating movie in a way I don't think we give it credit for yeah and and two things about the suspense so first of all when it's so action-packed and suspenseful you don't have any time to question the premise. So you're too busy being invested in this story to take a step back and remove yourself from a movie about talking toys. Mm -hmm. And also the suspense is not just action. It's not just things happening, but it's always linked to Woody's character arc, his feeling of being replaced and needing to be important to Andy. That's a really good point. And I hadn't I hadn't even thought of that, that the challenge of this movie for the filmmakers is making it so at no point do you feel like you can check out because mm-hmm. it's so easy to think you can check out of this kids movie about talking toys. And I have a sense that this is going to be something that Pixar always has to deal with mm-hmm. is even though they've made you come to the theater, how do they keep you engaged the whole time? And it's just a really engaging movie. So what about you? What did you like about the movie? I don't know if this is something that I necessarily liked, but I do really want to talk about it. Can we talk about Sid as the villain? Let's talk about Sid. I think I have maybe a hot take about Sid, which is that, look, it's wrong that he is playing torture. I'm not a fan of that. Definitely wrong. Sid, I get it. He's he's the villain. However... Sid's toys that he has mangled, (laughs) that he has taken apart and put back together, include the baby with one eye and its hair shaved off, which is attached to this mechanical spider legs. Yeah. And the Barbie legs with just a fishing pole body. When Woody and Buzz are trapped in Sid's room, when they all come out, I just was thinking that these toys look kind of cool. They would not be out of place in a modern art exhibit. 
And I'd be so down for that exhibit. I could definitely see a certain kind of kid being more interested in playing with those toys than like some of Andy's lamer toys. Like Mr. Potato Head. That's a bad toy. Mr. Potato Head is a bad toy? Shots at Hasbro! That's a bad take. I stand by it. Oh my gosh. If you want to get real, real serious about this, what is Sid's favorite toy? It's his toolbox. It's his grown-up adult toolbox with wrenches and pliers and obviously duct tape. And yes, he uses this in some torturous ways, but there's a real Montessori streak to Sid about getting to explore in his own way. And uh, and his parents give him a space to do that. I don't really mind Sid. And I'm actually a little surprised to hear you say he's the villain. I think the villain has to be on the same level as the protagonist um, because they have to be against each other. I think of Sid more as a, a looming force because the humans and the toys are on such different power levels. You know, there's nothing that the toys can really do to prevent Sid from acting upon them. Um, Of course, Woody and the rest of the toys do end up confronting Sid, uh, which is great and super creepy. And it turns into a horror movie for like three minutes. (laughs) Um, I feel like Sid is the, the state as the oppressor as opposed to, Oh yeah, we went there like a nonconformist thing Mm -hmm. that is oppressing the toys as opposed to a villain. Yeah. I mean, I I think that you get enough of the antagonism with the relationship between Woody and Buzz. Mm -hmm. What else did you like about the movie? All right. I also have to say that I really liked the theme of this movie and the way that they carried meaning and multiple themes through, which I think is really hard to do. And I was really impressed because there's so much that I didn't pick up on when I was watching it as a kid that I now can see. I totally agree. Without knowing what you thought the mm-hmm. theme is, and I'm really interested yeah. in what you think, that's that's sort of what I was saying before, is that you think it's just going to be some small bits of humor or visual humor that sustain adults through the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the there being a really resonant theme uh, really snuck up on me. But what did you think the theme was? So I think that there are multiple threads of it. I think that if I had to boil it down to one sentence, I would say the fear of being replaced and (laughs) the responsibility that we have to one another. Okay, so take me through these threads. Okay, so I think that Woody's fear from the very beginning is set up as he's afraid that a new toy is going to come in and replace him as Andy's favorite. And he's kind of afraid of being old and unloved. I think that's a fear that a lot of people can relate to no matter how old they are. And I think that's part of what's so genius about Pixar is they take these really relatable fears and abstract them enough so that it's not just straightforward. This is about a feeling that a kid is having, a kid character or an adult character. It's mm-hmm. it's a feeling that a toy is having and a toy kind of of an ambiguous age. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of people can come to this movie and put their own experiences onto it. I do think that Woody's arc specifically really mirrors an older sibling arc in a lot of ways. He's afraid of this new 
this this new figure coming into his wow he's afraid of not being the favorite not getting all the attention anymore and he kind of has this sibling rivalry relationship with buzz in the beginning and at the end he eventually learns that he has a responsibility for buzz especially when buzz is going through his own arc that i think is a really coming of age arc and woody has to be there for buzz when he when he grows up, when he becomes disillusioned about the world and who he is in the world. Wow, that's that's awesome. I really like looking at it as an older sibling story from a kid's perspective. And then I really like how it how it moves to an adult perspective of how do you treat lost relationships as mm-hmm. you get older? Is that what you felt like the movie was about? No, not at all. <laughs> I felt like the thesis statement of the movie was actually in Buzz's arc Mm. because I found Buzz's arc to be more emotionally impactful. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I would put the theme of the movie as just by being a parent, you are enough. Buzz for the entire movie says, I am a Mm. space ranger. Right, Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. He comes down and he's in total denial mm-hmm. that he's not a Space Ranger. And even once he finds out that he is just a toy, he's still in denial. Right? He still says, no, 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 I'm special, not because I'm a toy. I'm special because I'm me. I'm special because of my job. I'm special because of who I am as an individual. And then as he comes to term with it, he starts to think that he actually isn't special. And if he's not special because of his job, if he's not special because he's the famous Buzz Lightyear, then what makes his life meaningful? And Woody comes to him and says, no, you're meaningful because you have a kid who relies on you, Mm -hmm. because you have responsibilities that extend beyond yourself. And I think for a parent of young kids, although, of course, we are not. No kids here. No kids in this house, just watching Pixar movies. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think that would be a really empowering message to parents of young kids Mm -hmm. because you can be at a stage where you think that who you are is still your job, it's still your relationships, it's still your hobbies, it's still what you do for fun, and all of a sudden your whole world is consumed by by your kid mm-hmm. and uh, or not consumed, but it, it certainly begins to center around your kid. And I can imagine a loss of identity that comes with that. And I think this movie is really about you don't lose your identity. You gain something uh, different, but perhaps greater. That's beautiful. I love that. I think this this is just the point to how genius this movie is. Yeah. That it relates to so many different experiences. Okay, I first I want to say what I thought that Buzz's arc was, because I actually thought it was kind of a classic coming of age arc. Yeah, I want to hear this. So I think that so much of coming of age is about disillusionment. It's about wanting so badly to believe that the world can be something special, that you're a space ranger, that you can fly, that magic exists. And then realizing as you grow up that maybe that magic doesn't actually exist. And of course, then 
finding a new way to connect to that belief, to recontextualize it. And I think that that is so much of what Buzz is doing in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I also noticed in the break into the third act of the movie. When was that? This is after they are trapped in Sid's room when Sid straps a rocket to Buzz. Essentially, he's about to murder Buzz. Okay. And they have to get out. Buzz and Woody have a conversation while they're waiting basically for Buzz to die, which is another thing to talk about, how actually dark this movie gets. Oh, it's so dark. But there's a big shift, I think, in both of them. Because the whole first two-thirds of the movie, they're constantly thinking, what can Andy give to me? What do I get out of this relationship? What do I need from this relationship? I need this love from Andy. I need this attention from Andy. And in that conversation, two-thirds into the movie, there is a real shift where Buzz says, there's a kid out there who needs us. And they're no longer trying to fight for their own survival so that they can get back to Andy and have the old life they wanted. They're trying to fight for their survival because Andy needs them and they need to be able to support their kid. It's this really striking shift, I think, from this childhood perspective to the parenthood perspective. Mm -hmm. The way they keep referring to Andy as their kid Mm -hmm. is just such a clear parental. Yeah, and that becomes even more clear through the Toy Story series. I also can definitely see how if you relate more to Woody, Mm -hmm. you can take uh, the arc that you were saying about fear of abandonment, fear of replacement and coming to terms with, with that. And if you relate more to Buzz, and I don't know what it says that you pick the Woody line and I picked the Buzz line, but if you do, then you can relate more to this other theme. Well, so I think that Woody's the main character, but I think that Buzz's arc is more compelling. So why do you think Woody's the main character? Because this this is my take. Not only Mm -hmm. do I think that Woody is not the main character, that Buzz is the main character. I think that Woody is the villain. Okay, so I want to hear about the main character question and the villain question. Yeah, okay, so first off, it seems obvious that Woody's the main character. Of course, Woody's the main character. We Mm -hmm. all know that Woody's the main character of Toy Story. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Woody is mean for most of this movie. (laughs) He is vindictive. He's spiteful. He's jealous. He's controlling of all the other toys. He has his little fiefdom, which, (laughs) by the way, he's a law enforcement officer in. He's just playing the cop to all the other happy, nonviolent citizens of Andy's room. And Buzz comes in essentially as a liberator. And (laughs) he's liberating the toys from. He's liberating. Okay, I went. I went a little too hot. I'm going to scale it back a little bit. I think that Woody is pretty mean to Buzz. Mm-hmm. And and all the other toys are nervous about Buzz, but they accept him pretty quickly. And Woody really doesn't. And he estranges a lot of the other toys in doing so. I didn't remember how much of this movie was Woody trying to get back in the good graces of his former companions and T-Rex and uh, Piggy Bank and especially Mr. Potato Head. 
really shunning him. Mr. Potato Head is spicy. Mr. Potato Head is so spicy. <laughs> Ironic for a potato. Ooh. ooh hey, tuber puns. <laughs> I agree with you. Woody is a lot meaner than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I think that he's still the main character and you can be a mean main character. I suppose that is true. I also thought Buzz was going to be more annoying. Mm-hmm. And I thought that his insistence that he was the real the real Buzz Lightyear, quote unquote, it was just going to be more of a flaw. And it, sa- it seemed more like that he was just sort of genuinely hopeful and optimistic and, uh, and cheery the whole way through. I understand that that Woody is the same main character, but I think that because Buzz Lightyear is the character that I enjoyed being with the most mm-hmm. and the character with the most resonant arc, I can see a version of this movie where Buzz is the main character and Woody is sort of a, a more straight antagonist. So when I did some research about Toy Story, one of the things that came up was that originally the movie was rejected by Disney because Woody and Buzz were too mean to each other. Specifically, Woody was too unlikable. Yeah. So knowing that, reading that before watching this again, I expected that they had totally veered off of that. But I was surprised by how much of that was still in the movie. And we've seen some clips from those initial sketches where Woody is really far beyond what he is in the movie, which is like a little jealous and spiteful. Right. They were trying to be edgy, I think, in the classic 90s way. The 90s were rough times. I am I think the movies aged much better because they didn't do that, though. Oh, totally. Even in the beginning, I kind of expected Woody's antagonism towards Buzz to be solved once they were out of the room. Once Woody made the mistake of accidentally knocking Buzz out of the window, I expected him to then try to fix that mistake. See the error of his ways. Right. But he he really doesn't until that two-thirds mark. Even when they're in Pizza Planet, he needs Buzz to come with him because the other toys won't accept him if he returns without Buzz. His motivations stay selfish for a pretty long time. That's the exact moment that I was surprised by when he has a chance to go to Pizza Planet by himself, but he chooses to bring Buzz along. He specifically says to himself, oh, if I don't bring Buzz, the other toys won't accept me back, Mm -hmm. which is kind of jarring because it's this weird moment of exposition Like, it's Mm -hmm. weird that he's just saying that to himself. Mm -hmm. And also, I thought, was a little bit unnecessary because it felt like at that point, Woody should realize that if he leaves Buzz in a gas station, Buzz is a lost toy forever, which is one of the worst fates for toys. Mm -hmm. So it seems like he would have enough sympathy to be like, I don't like this guy, but I don't want him to be lost forever yeah can we talk a little more about how dark this movie gets because (laughs) the lost toy stuff all the stuff that happens in sid's room yeah this this movie gets dark pretty quickly yeah i mean there's the scene when sid is introduced where he's blowing up an army man and Mm -hmm. just to see what will happen right 
And then throughout the movie, he's torturing toys and pretending to be interrogating Woody by burning him alive. And even when we're still in Andy's room, it's not like the darkness only comes from Sid. Just when Woody gets knocked behind the bed, or when the toys get stuck, or when they get kicked aside, you can just see how there is a lot of violence towards these toys in this world that they really are not in control over. Yeah. So if it's this dark, this is, I guess, the question that we've had a lot about Pixar recently with Soul, which just came out as we're recording this, that Pixar no longer makes kids' movies as of 2021. Do you think that they were making kids' movies in 1994? Right. So this is a, a take that I've been standing behind for years now, not having seen the movie since childhood, that Pixar doesn't make kids' movies. What does it mean to be a kids' movie? I think that it means that the the arc of the main character or characters are specifically resonant to what kids are experiencing. And it can't be something that is opposed to a kid's experience. For example, if you're making a movie about work-life balance, like Monsters, Inc., that's not necessarily a kid's movie because kids can't relate to that dilemma. Can it be a movie that's both a kid's movie and also resonant for adults, even more resonant for adults than it is for kids? I think so, for sure. I think that when I'm talking about a kid's movie, I mean, is this core thematic arc something that kids will really resonate with? And it's surprising, I think, how many Pixar movies don't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe we'll watch these movies and have a different takeaway. But I've been having this take about Pixar movies for years that Pixar doesn't make kids movies and that they've only made two kids movies. Is this one of them? I didn't think so. And then upon watching it, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> it. I think that this is a brilliant movie and was such a good movie for them to start with because it really does speak to both experiences. Mm -hmm. But yes, this this is a kid's movie. I keep coming back to this, but Pixar has always been seen as kids' movies that adults can enjoy also. Mm -hmm. And I actually wonder if that is flipped, that these are movies that are adult movies, generally, not saying all of them, but this movie, Toy Story, is a movie with adult themes primarily made to speak to and to emotionally land with an adult audience. But it's told in a way that make kids excited to sit in a movie theater for it because it's fun and there's noise and there's mm -hmm. colors and it's about toys. So I think that it can be a kid's movie because kids love it and it clearly works to appeal to kids while still having much more to say to adults. Yes, yeah. And what it has to say is so much more than just jokes, which, like you said earlier, is what it's known for. It's having mm -hmm. these, these jokes that parents get but kind of go over kids' heads. Mm -hmm. But it's really thematically to its core speaking to an adult audience as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would change that you would critique in the way that this movie sets up its themes or really just in the movie at all? I almost always have something to critique. This movie, though, is so good. Yeah. And it feels like anything that I would change... I wouldn't want to upset this really delicate balance that they've created. That's exactly what I was about to say. 
Because I wonder what would happen if this was told more from Buzz's perspective and less from Woody's perspective. But that changes the whole movie in a way that I don't think, uh, I don't think you want to pull too hard on that string. Right. And there's little things. I think that there's still some gendered ideas because it was made in the 90s. And even Mm -hmm. though it has aged so well, there's still so much about what are boy toys? What are girl toys? Mm-hmm. How do boys play with their toys? How do girls play with their toys? And there is mm-hmm. also kind of this weird, weird dynamic when Buzz comes in where Buzz and Woody are kind of sizing each other up. Mm-hmm. And when they're talking about how great Buzz is, a lot of it is actually that Bo thinks that he's hot. And Potato Head says to Buzz, oh, you must do so well with dolls. I, you have to show me your ways. Mm-hmm. So it, there's still kind of that measuring how how cool or successful someone is by these masculine standards. I mean, Woody and Buzz both. It's a really interesting mm-hmm. uh, meta-commentary on masculinity from one of the law enforcement Old West sheriff mm-hmm. to, you know, it... it is no longer about the Western frontier and it's more about the final frontier and the movement of masculinity from the West to space. So true. Yes, that's definitely yeah. there. I also think part of the reason that Toy Story was so successful and honestly why Toy Story remains the franchise at the center of the Pixar Disney universe is because of how commercial it is. And, uh, and that you can sell these toys. You can buy Woody and Buzz and and all of these toys from Disney. It's just a major commercialist enterprise. I think it's worth briefly pointing out. Yeah. Well, that idea is really interesting in its own way of how much did they necessarily think about that before they made the movie. One of the things that I was reading was that their technology with the commu- computer animation wasn't good enough at that point to animate humans. And that anytime that they tried to animate something that wasn't just a sphere or a cube, it Mm. ended up looking plastic. And so that really lent itself to a movie about plastic toys. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about the limitations that they might have gotten from either a capitalist standpoint or a technological standpoint that limited creativity but that they found this story to tell within those limitations and also that limitations and restrictions breed creativity yeah yeah absolutely is there anything else that you think could hone the theme even closer i'm really interested in woody's theme especially why is it not quite as resonant as we thought it could be i'm not sure that it's not maybe now us watching it as adults, we don't resonate so much. But I, I really think that that sibling relationship is there. I think that anybody watching a movie, no matter what age, comes to it with their own experiences. They're going to latch on to different themes or take different ideas from character growth. And they're going to resonate with different aspects to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Woody's arc doesn't resonate as much or if it just doesn't resonate as much to us. That's a really great point. 
there's so much you can put on this movie. And, you know, we both came into this worried that not only uh, what were you going to think of the movie, but also how is this going to be as a starting point? We've sort of committed to this project and worried that Toy Story uh, might derail us before we even get going. And I think that this movie has themes that are so relevant, but also is just such a fun, easy movie to watch. I think it really speaks to what we are hoping to do, hopefully in in this episode, but also uh, over the rest of watching Pixar's catalog and and in the future is being able to watch movies for the enjoyment, for the humor, for the action, for the fun of it, for the plot, but also to see the deeper themes and figure out what makes these movies uh, stay with us beyond the theater or, in this case, the streaming experience. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's great. I had a really good time watching this movie, a better time than I expected, although I now should recalibrate my expectations for the rest of these movies, especially coming up, uh, thinking about A Bug's Life, thinking about Toy Story 2, both of which I had tampered my expectations with, and uh, my expectations are now all the way back up for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Turns out, Toy Story, it's a good movie. Yeah, turns out. Turns out. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe. Spread the word. And we will see you next time for A Bug's Life.